But you can't have an ego if you're going to be really good. You have to trust the process. I don't judge you on the scoreboard. That's what other people judge you on. I judge you on the process of getting there and the scoreboard to take care of itself. Right after school, you should be able to walk out of your office for 10 or 15 minutes, 20 minutes just to go see teams. Hey everybody, my name is Pat Cohan and this is the 80 Insider Thursday 30. Our guest for today's show is Andy Childs, a former NIAAA president, current FIAAA executive director, and the current athletic director at Winter Park High School in Orlando, Florida, the home of the 2023 National Athletic Directors Conference. In this episode, we're going to discuss being a coachable administrator, implementing a process to become great, NIAAA presidency lessons, 2023 convention tips and review and preview, and the best books for ADs to read over Christmas break. Before we dive into these topics, we do want to thank our partner in this episode, and that's Concordia University of Irvine, the number one educational athletics master's program in the nation. One that you can take 100% online, in person, or a unique blend of both. If you're interested in learning more, please check out cui.edu. Thank you, Andy, for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. For those of you that don't know Andy, he did not plan on becoming an athletic director. He was roped into high school athletics early on to be an assistant coach and teacher by his high school basketball coach. He later went on to coach college basketball at Barry University for six seasons. He missed high school athletics, so he decided to come back to work for Ron Balaz, a former FIAAA executive director himself. Uh, by the encouragement of Ron, his mentor, he became involved with the NIAAA and he ascended the committees and board positions to become president of the NIAAA in 2014. On that journey in 2012, he won the NFHS Citation Award. In 2017, he won the NIAAA Distinguished Service Award. In 2018, he was he served as the president of the FHSAA Board of Directors. And in 2019, he became the FIAAA executive director, taking over for his mentor, Ron. Now, when you came back to high school athletics, you sought out Ron. You actually didn't know him personally, like on a real personal level, but you sought him out to become his assistant. Talk about that process and why Ron was somebody that you wanted to learn from. Obviously, Ron has been the most influential mentor I had for the direction my career has gone. Obviously, high school athletics, athletics in general, my whole life played an impact on my development and how I grew up. So being part of athletics was kind of like a no-brainer, um, coaching and so forth, and then, of course, into athletic administration. But what had happened as I, after I was kind of tired of coaching at Barry University, um, thinking about my next career step, obviously, I, as you mentioned, I missed the high school level, the interscholastic athletic piece. And uh, a new brand new school was opening in Miami. And uh, of course, they advertised all their jobs and the athletic director job was open. And so I thought, well, what do I want to do in my career? Do I want to go into like administration where I'm, you know, pursuing a principalship somewhere down the road or stay in athletics? And of course, it didn't take me long to choose athletics because I guess mentioned it paid such an impact in my life. So I applied for and interviewed for the athletic director's position and interviewed with the principal of the new school, who was one of the best principals I've ever had, Millie Fernell. And as we talked, she's, you know, asking me questions and she kind of mentioned like, well, if I didn't get the AD job, would I consider being an assistant? 
Um, and I said, well, I don't like selling for second, second, but if you hire the guy, I think you are, I would love to work for him. And then of course she said, who do you, who are you going to hire? Who am I going to hire? I said, well, the rumor on the streets, Ron Belize. And she says, okay, well, if you come, would you be Ron's, if I hire Ron, would you come be his assistant? And I said, absolutely. Cause he's somebody I would like to learn this job from because Ron's kids, his own kids, his own children, uh, played basketball and cheered at the school I was at, even though he was an athletic director at another school in Miami. So I knew him, but not at the level I got to know him, but I knew of him and all the representation he had and involvement he had on the state and the national level. So if I were going to, was going to pursue this position, I wanted to follow somebody that had been there, done that, that could guide me. Um, and I was tried to be very coachable because I wanted, when I coached, I wanted kids that were coachable. So that's how it kind of got started. Uh, she did hire Ron as the AD. And she did hire me as his assistant, along with his blessings, thank goodness. And then when he retired, I took over for him as the AD at Felix Varela High School in Miami. As we interview a lot of ADs and get to talk to a lot of ADs, it's the ones that have the mentor that you see the uh, resume that you have right? Like a service oriented resume, like you just keep going on boards and boards and associations and committees. Like as I was researching you, I was like, this guy is addicted. He's addicted to service. But I think you see that when somebody follows a mentor who's doing it already and you see how that process of being involved creates a career that, that maybe you want to have looking back on. Does that make sense? It makes a great sense. And I, I kind of have to agree with you on that. Um, when you have, a, I mean, you can have mentors that can show you things that you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that, uh, which is not a bad thing because you have to be yourself uh, when you take over uh, whatever position that would be or whatever board you're on. You have to be comfortable in your skin and, and be the leader that you are. But you hit the key word servant leadership is what it's all about. Uh, you got to be willing or you should want to be willing to get involved, to try to make a difference, to help serve others, uh, guide others, hopefully one day be a mentor yourself. Um, you know, if I look back once I'm right off into the sunset, I hope that I've helped one or two people along the way as Ron has helped me. And I give Ron credit anytime I speak, anytime, because he really put me under his wing and, and taught me not only the actual job in the school, but how to get involved on the state and the national level. And I've been blessed you took the ego hit to become an assistant when you were actually going for an athletic director job. So you're coming from the college ranks. You're looking down on high school athletics like, oh, that's that's less than college athletics. I'll go in and be an AD and, you know, I can do that easily. Maybe maybe you're thinking that. But to take the ego hit to not even be the athletic director, but to become an assistant. And then, like you said, be, being coachable, like what does that look like? to be a coachable administrator? Well, again, I think everybody has to, you know, be comfortable in their skin. I keep using that word. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't look at it as a time. You can't have an ego if you're going to be really good at what you do. You have to build the relationships. You got to be the servant leader. Um, you got to be the one that can bring your programs together. Um, you know, creating your mission and your vision and, and, and so forth like that, because there's a saying out there and I won't quote it exactly right, but if you're leading and 
from the front and you look back and no one's following you, then you're only out for a walk. So you got to really get the buy-in from people. And I think that, you know, again, I've been blessed to work with great people. Uh, anything that is on my resume is because I've had great people around me, whether it's, you know, mentors or assistants when I became an athletic director our coaches on whatever school I've been at. We've had great coaches, great teams, um, as teams of coaches and uh, administration at your school is huge. So I've uh, been blessed all the way through. So I think that's really it. Um, to be a servant leader, you kind of lead from behind and you bring everybody together and hopefully uh, can do some great things. Can you give me an example, like a specific example of what a good assistant athletic director would do in a certain situation? So to give context. Okay. So to give context, you're an assistant AD. You do a lot for the head AD already, right? You're given time. You're man- You're, you're uh, watching over events. You're supervising. Um, but you know, what's a, what's an example of a decision an assistant AD would make that would basically separate them from a, a good assistant AD to a great one? Well, I, I think right off the top of my head, there's two things. Like, number one, ask questions. Um, mm-hmm. I was probably a thorn in Ron's side sometimes, you know, uh, saying, show me how you do that. Why did you do that? Why didn't you do that? Um, I think that, you know, and I had another one down. I had another AD down when I first started my teaching and coaching career in high school, George Phelan, who also uh, kind of pulled me along a little bit uh, as a quasi-athletic administrator, not necessarily a, a, a official title, but got me involved a lot. So, and, and of course, some ADs that were basketball coaches when I was a high school player that I played against became uh, mentors. And I think, number one, asking a lot of questions. And number two, do your homework, you know, beforehand. Uh, you got to put yourself in the head chair, even though you're not in the head chair, what would you want your assistants to do for you so you prepare yourself on what the next step is for your AD, your your head athletic director that you're uh, working with? And again, um, I've had good people around me that have helped me do that. And so, and my assistants are, are really good too. You know, we always have uh, responsibilities, department responsibilities, uh, every one of my assistants that I've ever had, and they've been spot on with it. But I always encourage them um, to ask questions if they don't understand, but I also don't micromanage them. I kind of tell them we'll go over what we need and then I let them work because that's what Ron did with me. He wasn't like on top of everything or saying, well, you need to do it this way or that way. He let me be handy. And I try to take that learning experience and and do it with my assistants as well and show them I support their decisions or I wouldn't give them that responsibility. So I think those are the couple things right off the top of my head that I think are important. Micromanagement is a tough one um, because you as the leader definitely want to make sure that it's performed at the standard that your organization has set, but you also want to create ownership for the assistants to be able to be, to do it at their full potential. Where's that fine line? Like what's, what's something you'll do to make sure they feel like they still own the project, but you still have your hands on, or you, you at least have grips to what's going on and that it's going in the right direction. 
Well, you hit it. It's a very fine line, and that line could change depending on what the actual assignment's going to be. But for me, um, and even with what, when I was being taught, I think you have to go over what you're looking for. Let's say hosting a football game. Mm-hmm. And um, I have an assistant now that kind of runs the football game as far as tickets, um, people getting in the games, the setups, that type of stuff. But we reviewed all of that from when I first got here on this is what we look at. This is what we have to do. And, of course, they still touch base on everything, but that's just an example. Or signing days or eligibility. Um, I, I tried so I'm to gonna stop you. I'm okay. Gonna stop you. Because you mentioned something that I thought was key that you kind of glazed over. They still update you. Yes. On all of it. Yes. So give me that, what that looks like. Is it every okay. single checkpoint or is it a, like, is there defined? I want to hear back from you at this point and I want to hear back from you at this point. And then if you don't hear back, then you obviously know that something's wrong or you need to look in further. No, what, what I meant. Yeah. I see what you're saying. The, no, what they'll do is if, let's say it's something in an email chain, I'm CC'd on it. Or if they get a direct question, they'll say, hey, are you okay with this? You know, if it's something outside the norm of we reviewed. Um, and then, of course, I'll say, yes, I'm good with that. Or I trust your decision, if depending on how big it is. Ultimately, it falls on you um, as the athletic director, no matter if a mistake is made in one of those other areas that you're given to your assistants, it's going to fall on you. But I always feel that if I can take the hit on something that may go a little sideways, then I'm okay with that because it's learning for them. And for me, because you want to build capacity. Um, and by that, I'm going to give a lot of credit to our exec- NIAAA executive director, Phil Risen, because he always talked about build capacity. So you want to build capacity. Um, so one day you hope your assistants are sitting in the head chairs of as an athletic director or a county athletic director down the road. I mean, that's your goal. Even for as a basketball coach, I wanted assistants to become head coaches. And um, so you have to help them be that because Ron helped me be that. So I think that's important. And you mentioned earlier, let's circle back to my head basketball coach in high school, who's a dear friend and I still visit and talk on the phone with all the time. Um, He helped me. He helped me become the person I am, you know, so uh, teaching me the things to do right and wrong and how to kind of be a little more mature than I really was as a high school kid. Um, And the role I played as a captain on the team and, and, you know, being a leader like that. So, I could, we could all kind of just think back and you might have that one like me with Ron, but there's so many people in your life that influence you. I mean, when I first started in IAAA, there's leaders in the NIAAA that, you know, I can rattle off names right now that I just looked up to because of their servant leadership and the way they, they presented themselves and the way they did workshops or taught LTIs. And I said, man, I want to be like that, you know, so I had to drive in the goal to do things like that. And I think that's important um, because you got to, you want to make a difference. I wanted to make a difference and hopefully I did a little bit. Well, the athletic administrator career is an interesting one because there's not a, there is the certifications, which give you the, a lot of great information and, and equip you with the tools to be successful, but looking at a career like yours and you looking at a career like Ron's, 
do you think there's like a pro like uh people always talk about the process is what wins you know it's it's like trust the process and you will have yeah. success kind of thing if you say i was going to get into administration and i i come to you and i say well what's the process that helps you become great how would you break that down for me like pat here's here's what you got to do and ron i think did this listening to prior interviews and 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 mentor mm -hmm. uh stuff online you talked about ron kind of said hey here's what's going to happen so for me it's from you to me how can i become a great ad and what process would you recommend i follow to do that well it's it's about work ethic you know you mentioned the word process and I'm big on that. I do. And as we talked earlier about different things and we're going to go over books later and so forth, but I, I do a lot of reading. I think you have to be a lifelong learner. So I'm a circle into this answering your question directly. But a lot of people, when they, they, they want to win, you ask a room full of people, you want to win, you want to be the best, whatever the question is, and everybody's going to raise their hand. Well, that's the easy part. But do you want to go through the process it takes to be great or the process it takes to win? And, you know, um, I, I read I've been reading a lot on Nick Saban at Alabama um, just because and it's not if you like him or not, because if I really would be honest, I'm an Auburn fan. But um, you got to look at what, his success there, you know, and um, what has he done to be so successful there? And it's all about the process. It's not about winning a championship. It's the process. I bring it down to our level and say to our coaches, you have to trust the process. I don't judge you on the scoreboard. That's what other people judge you on. I judge you on the process of getting there and the scoreboard to take care of itself. So if I were going to advise you to become an athletic administrator, I would say, number one, what are your goals if you want to get to this seat? Right. And you're going to say, well, I want to do whatever it takes. And I'm going to say, OK, well, here's what it takes. You're going to need to get involved. You're going to get, get involved in, in our case, FIAAA or whatever state A, AAA. You're going to get involved in the national and you're going to serve, try to get on committees. You're going to get, become teaching faculty, whether it's at the state level and then eventually the national level. Um, we're going to work together and I'm going to give you responsibilities here at school or within our county. If you're a county athletic director and we're going to keep progressing like that. But you need to you know be on the cutting edge. You need to be involved. FHSA, your state association, athletic association, in our case, FHSAA, um, which I've been blessed to serve with those folks there for a long time. And it's all for the betterment of athletics, you know, and, and, the, and the student athletes we have. So that's the advice I would give you. And then, of course, I would be, you know, pulling you and pushing you along as we go and work together throughout the time. But that process does not clean my inbox. Oh, no. One of the things, one of the things that Ron always told me is you can make a list and I'm a list guy, um, but he goes, you can make a list and say, okay, tomorrow, here's my number one, two, and three. But when you show up tomorrow, your one, two, and three just dropped on the list to like eight, nine, 10, 20, right? So you, you have to be able to adapt and adjust, you know, nothing is cookie cutter, perfect. You can have a, a schedule, you can have your calendar set, but there's always things um, depending on what's going on at the school, what's going on with your teams, your coaches. And then the last thing with that too, just to, to hit on that piece, don't stay in your office. The job is not a hundred percent in your office. Is there stuff in your office? Yes. A lot of stuff, but you need to get out and go to practice, 
not just a game, go to practice, just walk out there, see the kids, give them high fives, give them to coaches. Great job, coach. Hey, I liked what you were doing there. Just something because when I go to a coach's practice, they're not like, oh, gosh, what's he doing here? What did we do wrong? You know, it's not that. They're like, hey, coach, how you doing? Come on, let's go. And, I'm, you know, and that's what it's all about to me. On the sidelines of a game, uh, in the gyms, at the pools, whatever the case is, talk to your coaches, talk to your kids, let them know you're there for them, you're supporting them, and I think all that's important too. How do you balance the work in the office with the need to be seen? I think it's, yeah, I mean, you have to get your office work done, whether it's paperwork, eligibility, that has to be any forms you have to file with the FHSA, answering your inbox that gets inundated so much. But you also got to be able to prioritize when, what you need to answer, when you need to answer it. I think that's key. And it took well, me a long time. It took me a long time. Um, and I'm still, it's still a work in progress. Um, and that's another thing. You, Never settle. Never think you've already reached the pinnacle, because once you do that, you're kind of really at the pinnacle. You need to be done. You got to keep moving along. And so with that, you, you know, I just look at my emails and if it's not something I can deal with right away, like, hey, I'm interested in a sponsorship or, you know, we want to play you in a spring sports and we're not even in fall yet down the road. I'll just forward it to my coach and say, coach, can you answer this? You have to learn to say no sometimes. Um, if you have something on your plate that's pressing, like a financial report that's due by the end of the week and you got to get some numbers together, um, getting POs in, whatever the case is, you got to kind of prioritize that and get that. But if you can, right after school, you should be able to walk out of your office for 10 or 15 minutes, 20 minutes just to go see teams, you know, and a lot of facilities you're walking by two or three venues where you can just pop in a few times and you're knocking it out in 30 minutes to 45 minutes after school and then that's the way it is now that's way down at the school level mm -hmm. you ascended into the niaa presidency what did that national lens show you that has made you a more impactful ad in your school well, there's a lot to that. I mean, we could go, we could talk about that for hours. Um, obviously, li listening to colleagues across the country was huge for me. Um, I loved going to breakout sessions and learning, but the the LTI courses are huge. Um, they they show you things that can help you, obviously, in your job, but the, they always help you be the best in your job. So you might know something that's in an LTI course already because you're dealing with it in your area. But those type of things were huge because a lot, a lot of times you're sitting around with people across the country and sometimes they have the same kind of issues you have or they have a different issue that you don't have. But then it makes your issues look a little bit smaller, not as in, <laughs> not, not as in like stressful as you've made it seem. Right. So I think those are huge. But. The biggest thing is as you get involved, you know, throughout the years going to these conferences, you're starting to meet people and be with people that you, it's like you've been friends forever. And I could, again, rattle off, you know, getting to know Phil, Daryl Nance, Doug Kilgore, Trish Wicken, Mark Armstrong, and Mark Hunter was a mentor. I mean, I could keep going on and on 
about people, you know, Jim Watkins back in the day. So being involved with the NIAAA exposed you to a lot of different leaders across the country. You talk about that a lot as far as how that became a big part of your career and, and really a highlight of your career. One of the great things about the NIAAA is you can keep on being involved after your presidency uh, and, and you're going to be or you are currently on the planning committee for the NADC. So with that inside look, what would you say are the five things any AD should do at a national conference to maximize their value? Okay. First and foremost is the LTI courses, um, getting involved with that, going to as many courses as you can, because inevitably you're going to bring something home from those courses. And those courses help you in your job, but they help you be the best you can be in your job. So by far, my number one um, answer to that is LTI courses. Number two, your breakout sessions. You go and you hear different uh, breakout presenters from across the country that can talk about a, a no, number of topics that can help you. And the offerings are so many at the national level that you can pick and choose um, and find something every breakout session that they have. There's got to be one or two that you could go to that can really bring something back to your school or your school districts. So those are the top two for me. Obviously, I think it's a very important me personally, um, and it's helped me is to go to the, the luncheon uh, to see the citation winners and hear them and what's made them successful and what they've been able to do in their careers up to this point when they do interviews and just recognizing your colleagues on getting their recognitions, you know, for a job well done. And obviously the award, NIAAA awards banquet and, and Hall of Fame induction on Tuesday night. Uh, again, you're seeing your colleagues that have been doing it for a while at a, a very high level and very being very successful. So bringing things back from them, I always bring a pen and paper and I take notes from them and, and just, I still do that to this day, just jot down notes of different things and what they say and how they're really, they, they spill their heart about being a servant leader. So I think that's good. And then the last thing is any kind of professional networking, whether that's inside the conference itself between classes, going to breakouts in the vendor area, or even at night when you're out with your friends and colleagues and you see other people, um, just that professional networking is huge. I didn't realize this, but as you were talking through those five things, uh, and we were talking earlier about a process to be great. So if you broke down those five things, you got LTI and breakouts. That's how you're learning to become successful. Mm -hmm. Hall of Fame and luncheons. That's watching what success is. Mm -hmm. And then your networking piece, whether in the hallways or during the downtime at night, you're joining others that are on that journey. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's cool process. Good. If you broke it's it down and you got to do that at a show, that's good value. Well, we'll circle back from what we talked about. It's the process. It's not just you show up and bam, you're great. It's the process. You got to be willing to do that. Right. And one of the breakout sessions that they have um, is how to get involved. So <laughs> if you're not sure about how, how to get involved, go to that breakout and it'll tell you exactly what you need to do to get involved. And, and just, and, and you know what, it's the intrinsic value at the end to knowing that you serve. It's it just that that's to me is, rewarding as any plaque or anything else, you know, just thinking that you've tried to serve. And I think that's important. 
specifically to Florida, so Orlando, what's going to be fun or what's something that people can look forward to going to this show specifically? Well, hopefully good weather. (laughs) So uh, we expect. All right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, hopefully that. But all seriousness, I think Orlando offers a lot of things to do. Um, So we've got obviously we're going to do some things within the conference. Um, I think we're going to have a gator there for Gatorland. Um, so we can do some bringing an actual gator to yeah, the show. an actual gator like Nashville. Um, they brought Dolly Parton and you're bringing a gator. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we did that the last time it was here. And I think a lot of people really enjoyed that. Um, they could take pictures, they could touch it if they wanted to. Um, so we're going to do something like that. Looking at the schedule, it looks like they've also set up a shuttle that'll take them to ESPN wide world of sports. So you can tour those facilities. Also, I think on the Saturday before it, there's also a golf outing where you can pair up whether with ADs that, you know, are going to be there or get on a, uh, get on a, just go as a a single and then get thrown into them. So those are great networking opportunities and also uh, enjoying the Florida weather. Right. What about if I'm bringing my family, right? We're in Colorado. We don't have any uh, sun right now. It's really cold right now. Uh, <laughs> so if we're coming in and everybody's coming, what it, local advice? Like I want, you know, Andy telling Pat, this is what you should do with your small family while you're here at the show. Uh, you have putt-putt golf course you can go to. You've got uh, some uh, venues like Aquatica, Volcano Bay. Those are some attractions that you can go to. They're uh, family oriented fun times for spouses, kids, families. Um, we have Disney Springs, um, has a lot of shops, has a lot of restaurants, uh, great view. It's, it's, there's no cover to get in, no, no ticket to purchase. You just go on property, uh, park and it's really a, just a nice getaway, uh, beautiful, you know, scenery and just hopefully again, the weather's good and you can just go out and enjoy that time with your family. Uh, walking around Disney Springs. Now, before I uh, let you go here, I do want to dive kind of circle all the way back to the books because we talked about that before. Yeah. Going into Christmas break, being a a lifelong learner, what do you think are the best books ADs should read over this Christmas break? Well, you know, there's, there's, I'm big in the motivational, inspirational, um, philosophical. Those are the books for me. Um, Obviously our opening general speaker is John Gordon. I'm a big John Gordon fan. Just happened to work like that. So I'm excited about that. Um, So I read a lot of his books, the power of positive leadership, the power of positive team, you know, energy bus, the, you went in the locker room, those type of books that he's already done um, are great to me. I mentioned, you know, Nick Saban and, you know, his process and his successes. I've read some stuff on coaches like that have been successful. Uh, I, that's my reading list that I love uh, to read. Um, John Maxwell, I've read a lot of uh, Simon Simic. Uh, so all of those type of books are good for me. So if I got two weeks, maybe I can get two books in over this Christmas break. Out of all those books you, you mentioned, what are the two you say, these, these ones you got to read. These will have the well, most impact at your school. The John Gordon, the power of positive leadership and the energy bus. Um, and I know a lot of people might have already had that, but those are really the energy bus is maintaining your energy level through 
good and bad times. And, you know, with all the stuff that comes across an athletic director's plate, um, but the, the power of positive leadership is, is huge for me. What are you reading right now? Well, right now, ironically, um, I've got a book from a, an official, Andrew, I, I want to say his name right, Marietta, who did, did a lot of officiating uh, at the collegiate level and the professional level and some of his leadership traits he's taken away from being an official. Um, so that's kind of what I'm, I'm looking at now. And I don't want to That's an interesting idea that you've yeah. already taken from that book. Um, just, you know, again, at the level of him, you, you kind of mentioned before, like the ego, you mentioned, you know, being the, at the best of your game, you know, some officials, especially at that level, they, they don't go into a game where they want to be seen. If they can go through a game and not being in the forefront, they've done a good job. So it's that type of thing, right? Like when, when the success comes, you want to share that success with everybody else, not, oh, look what we did or I did. It's, it's really about the success. Like when that comes, you, you share that with your team, whether it's coaches in our case, the athletes, um, in his case, the players he's officiating, um, the things like that. One of the things is I'm a, I'm a big UNC basketball fan too um, growing up. And when he went to do a game in, in Chapel Hill, like the coach at the time, and I don't know if it was Dean or Roy Williams, but like when he introduced himself, he called each one of the officials by name and he thought how impressive that was that they knew his name and some of what he had done, like, Oh, Hey, how are your kids or whatever the case may be. And I take that back. What's well, important to, when you say hi to somebody, now you're not going to remember everybody, but when you can say hi to somebody, you want to say, hi, Pat, good to see you again and call them by name. How are your kids? You know, that type of stuff um, I think was important that I brought out so far out of that book. Well, that's just one nugget that uh, hopefully people took away from this. I think there's going to be a lot more. Andy, thank you so much. For Thanks taking for having me, us. Pat. And I look forward to seeing you there in Orlando. Uh, me too. Thank you so much for having me.